0: This is an AMI podcast. Hey, Dave Brown here. If you enjoy this podcast portion of our show, remember you can watch it live every day at 9 a.m. Eastern Time on AMI TV. Welcome back to Now with Dave Brown, coming to you on AMI TV. Soccerability has just launched Canada's very first women's national blind soccer team. To learn more about this, we are joined by the team's head coach
1: Matt Greenwood. Matt, how's it going? It's going good. Thanks, Alex. Uh, great to to be on the the call this morning, especially at the, the start of such an exciting World Cup as well. It's really a great time to be around soccer in Canada.
0: Absolutely, you know. We're 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 in the the peak era of soccer here in in this nation. So First off, I just want to say congratulations. You know, this is awesome news. It's my understanding that this is the first national blind program in Canada, period, men's or women's. So can you just tell me like a bit about how you feel that this is exciting that it's finally, for the, in when it comes to sports, you know, it's refreshing that it's a focus on the female side and the women's game opposed to being tacked on after a men's program has been established.
1: Absolutely. But I think one of the uh one of the, the unique things about Canada and when we think about soccer is the uh the strength of our women's team almost has kind of come come ahead of the men's game. Uh and I think that sort of happens very rarely in other countries around the globe. Uh and, and it just seemed to be the natural fit and the natural evolution of of what we've seen here with our uh Canadian women when it comes to blind soccer. Uh this started as sort of sort of outreach programs in schools and community clubs probably back in 2012 or 2013, I remember partnering with Ontario Blind Sport Association uh, to deliver some sort of come and try events. Uh, and then unfortunately at the 2015 Parapanam Games, blind soccer was the only sport that Canada didn't have representation at. Um, we could have probably put a team together at that event, but we had the world number one and the world number two, Brazil and Argentina here, um, who actually made it to the, to the final. And I think there was a little bit of apprehension that um, we would put a team out that was nowhere near ready and would sort of get chewed up and, and spat out. Uh, so, since 2015, there's been a lot more development going on. That's evolved to um, blind soccer being part of the Ontario ParaSport Games every two years. So, we did it for the first time in 2017 uh, when it was held down in in Brantford County in Brant County. Uh, in 2019, the provincial ParaSport Games were held in in Durham Region, and we were able to host it in in Pickering. Uh, and just this year uh, it was in Mississauga so each year each two years that we've done those games we've um, been able to ideally add an additional team uh, or at least uh, make more concrete the teams that we have so the last um, evolution this year in Mississauga we had a team from Pickering and a team from North Mississauga that competed and we're hoping that when we get to the games in 2023 that we'll be back in Durham Region uh, we'll have another team there we're talking to uh, some possible players up in Ottawa uh, and also down in London, so we can sort of expand those club programs. Uh, but what we did that I think was the real turning point for this this female program uh, was in May. We uh, we sort of partnered SoccerAbility Canada partnered with Ontario Blind Sport Association and ran a three day camp at the beautiful um, CNIB property on the on the banks of Lake Joseph. Uh, we brought in uh, 15 coaches from across Ontario, four match officials and 10 players who are all blind, visually impaired. Uh, and it was really an opportunity to fast forward the game, get a lot of people on the same page about what it looks like and how it feels and, and being part of that that family. Uh, and at the conclusion of that weekend, our guest uh, clinician, who is was the, the national team coach from, from France, a guy called Charlie Simo, uh, pulled me to one side and said, Matt, he said, you have the startings of a women's team here he said give them six months of training he said they could they could compete easily uh so that was a real boost because we weren't sure where we were on the female side of the game and and that really sort of helped uh strengthen the resolve of the, the women in the program that hey now we've got something that we're really aiming for um and that sort of got us to a point now where we're training more frequently um and some really exciting opportunities for what we can do in in 2023
0: well, and can you talk a bit about the, the importance of having those strong grassroots foundations, especially for a, a sport that is just starting, just developing, the program is just launched. So you you've kind of touched on how the, these different events and, and different small teams really help fuel the growth. But can you kind of elaborate the importance of having a strong grassroots foundation to build a national program?
1: Absolutely, absolutely. And for me, there are two really important parts here. One is uh, around the location, having something local that athletes can get. I I uh, believe we're uh,
0: Hey, hey, Matt, uh, sorry to cut you off there. I think we're having a bit of uh, technical difficulties trying to uh, hear you. You're cutting in and out a a little bit.
1: Oh, sorry. Am I I clear now? You're you're clear now. Sorry about that. Okay, I'll sit tight. I won't move around. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, so sort of having localized opportunities is is really, really important. The other thing is is youth, and we're looking for the younger players, the ones that are going to come through and really evolve. We have uh, a fantastic young player from, from Newmarket who's driving in each weekend with one of his parents to come and play. And, and he's really developed in the last two years playing and mixing in with the the adults that are in the programme. Uh, so we want to find more of those younger players that will be that that next generation coming through. Uh, so definitely grassroots club programmes are, are really important. And we have the, the expertise and the background and some of the resources to be able to come and help a club start a programme. Uh, and I think one of the important things from a club perspective is that there needs to be a bit of a reality check that you're probably not going to advertise a blind soccer program and, and have 10 or 15 players come right out of the woodwork. You may only start with with one or two, and certainly that was my experience when I, I started a program at Pickering. It was sort of two players, then it jumped to four, then maybe it was five or six, and then it went down. So you have to sort of be patient and, and play the long game. Um, but one of the things that we uh, guide clubs and coaches is uh, – eye shades on all of the players, so you could have some sighted players that put eye shades on and participate in a practice or a drill. Uh, and now you've got something that's a little bit nearer to to the real game, rather than um you know a group of sighted players with one player wearing eye shades. So have everybody sort of level the playing field, and now that uh, blind, visually impaired athlete is going to get more out of that that session.
0: Absolutely, and and part of also that that uh growth and bringing players into the game is is the leadership that the team captains and and uh leadership players take on so can you tell me a bit about the the team's first captain hillary Scanlon?
1: yeah hillary is uh is a, a fantastic story and and we have a lot of great stories with with all of our athletes they have fantastic backgrounds and I wish I had time to to tell all of them uh but hillary and I we connected probably about seven or eight years ago. I was previously working at, uh, at Ontario Soccer uh, and, and desperately trying to promote inclusive and accessible soccer programs while I was in that role. Um, and so she'd sort of been connected to me via, via email because um, at that stage, I think she was a 15 or 16-year-old female player. She'd played very competitive level of soccer in her hometown um, but knew that uh, her eyesight was deteriorating and was already thinking about what the plans were for her to be still playing when she uh, lost her sight. Um, and so at that time, my, kind of, my guidance was somewhat limited because we didn't have club-based programs or, or a team that she could sort of aspire to be in. Um, so fast forward to the start of the, uh, or just a few months before the pandemic, uh, she came along to one of the programs that we had running at uh, Pickering Football Club. Uh, and did really well. She'd still got all of that that competitive playing ability that she'd had previously and was now sort of fine-tuning that without the, uh, the sense of sight. Uh, and had done, done really well. Um, and she, uh, at that stage, was looking to go away and do a, a master's degree. Uh, and a, I believe she got an offer to either go to uh, Harvard University... Uh, or St. Andrews University in Scotland. So very intelligent, very smart young lady and, uh, you know, somebody that's kind of a role model to me. Um, and unfortunately, the pandemic uh, sort of messed that plan up for her. But fast forward through the pandemic and she's now actually studying a master's degree at Oxford University in England. Uh, and every chance that she comes back here over to uh, to Ontario, we get her on the field and she's training and and. Mixing in with the rest of the the players, uh, and she actually took the opportunity this summer to do a uh, a blind soccer course that was run by the International Federation, uh, and held in Italy. So she was there with another, I think it was probably twenty or thirty other female players from from across Europe um, that were learning from the national federation about blind soccer and some of the fine details. Uh, so Hillary was able to bring that back to our sessions uh, later in the summer when she'd. Uh, got back here from from the uk so right That's now she's great. back over in the uk studying uh and we can't wait to to get her back on the field again with the, the players as soon as she's able
0: i, I i'm sure and uh we're, we're running out of time matt but where can people go to find out more information and maybe sign up if they're interested in getting involved
1: uh yeah definitely we have uh so SoccerAbility canada is sort of a uh not for profit organization to sort of fill that gap that sort of isn't being served right now by other soccer associations or organizations. So we have a website, which is www.soccerability.ca which has a, a page on there specific to blind soccer. We have uh, the landing page on there for the, the female team and also a male team that we're, we're working on and that should come sort of shortly after. Uh, we're also on social media, on Instagram, at Soccability Canada and on Twitter at uh, soccerability and then a capital C. Uh, and we try and promote and share as much information as possible about what's happening uh, with blind soccer, with our programs, but then also from a wider um, inclusion accessibility perspective, other forms of soccer that are happening across the globe and, and even right here in, in Canada to get more people on the field and participating.
0: Amazing. Matt, I could talk about this all day. Unfortunately, we are out of time, so I'll have to let you go. But thank you so much for stopping by.
1: Oh, not at all. Thanks very much for having me, Alex. That was great. Thank you.
0: That's Matt Greenwood, the team coach for Canada's very first women's national blind soccer team. Hey, Dave Brown here. If you enjoy this podcast portion of our show, remember you can watch it live every day at 9 a.m. Eastern time on AMI-tv.
1: Join me every couple weeks for the Outdoors with Lawrence Gunther podcast, where we learn about outdoor tech and tips. Plus, we look at news affecting the environment. AMI's Outdoors with Lawrence Gunther is available from your favourite podcast provider.